Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. And we do it together because we're better together. Uh, Our quote of the day comes from our guest today. You guys are going to be so blown away. This is the best two-parter ever (laughs) since the last one. I know we outdo ourselves all the time, but damn, this was amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our quote of the day is from our guest today, Brendan Burchard. Uh, It's not about how much you... Stand by. Let's do that again. It's not about how much work you're doing. It's about what work you're doing and how you're doing the work. Mm. Guys... Heel Squad, you're in for a treat. So my friend, Brendan Burchard, who I went to that mastermind event hosted by him um, last summer, if you recall, I got invited last minute, went on this like amazing weekend adventure um, and found myself with some of the highest performing humans in life coaching and business Um, and got to learn from everybody and got to see everybody sharing. And I told you guys then, if you put together a group, you can do the same thing where everyone shares information and helps each other. That is the new way, that old way where everyone like hides their secrets and keeps everything in and it's not the way anymore. So create your own mastermind group and get together and help each other and rise together. Right. Uh, so We are chatting with Brendan today about success, how to train your mind, how to um, create uh, habits that will help you level up, uh, and so much more. It is amazing because he's amazing. He is the world's leading high-performance coach by Forbes. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author. He's written six books. He's one of the most watched, quoted, and followed motivational speakers in history and has been named one of the most influential leaders in personal growth by Success Magazine and The Oprah Magazine. Brendan hosts a podcast, The Brendan Show, and is also the founder and CEO of Growth Day, the world's number one personal development app. Without further ado, friends, here is my chat or our chat with Brendan. Uh, 
Um, we're super excited to have you on. I think, you know, I was telling the girls, I said, you know, you're so full of knowledge and you've been life coaching and more for so long. So I said, anything that you haven't been able to get past in life where you haven't been able to get the right answer or the right inspiration, because you can have a million teachers that are incredible. It's that one that has that moment with you where you're like, holy shit, I get it now. You could say the yeah. same thing. Like my husband gets so mad at me. I always call him like a mini Tony Robbins. I go, honey, you're in my ear all day. It's just numb now. He's like, you have to go to Tony <laughs> to hear right. the same stuff. And I go, well, he says it differently. And then I get yeah. it. <laughs> so That's real. I told That's them to real. get ready with that. And it's funny, they sent me this TikTok of yours that we will share with everybody. And it was so amazing. And I shared it with Kevin when we were, my husband, we were in the kitchen earlier. And you said, um, you know, let's talk about why we aren't going after our dreams. It's not that you're scared to start your dream. Here comes a zinger. It's that you're embarrassed to be seen starting small. Yes. Holy shit. That knocked me off my feet today. <laughs> you're afraid of starting small. And that yeah. is particularly um, important for people who are older, I think, because when you're mm -hmm. young, everyone's starting small. Mm -hmm. But if yeah. you're a little late to the game or you're having a career change or yeah. you wake up at 40 and you're like, this is no longer what I want to be doing. What do right. I want to do? And then comes the scary part because you have to start somewhere. And everybody's watching and like, but Maria you used to do this and we know you is that. And who do you think you are to start this new thing? And aren't you worried it's going to be, you know, not successful. And everyone starts you know, gabbing in your ear. And it brings up all of that feeling of like, do I measure up? Will I be successful again? What will people think? And, you know, it usually just completely sucks, right? The motivation right out of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's real. I, I yeah, the, the, the coaching experience has helped me cut through a lot of the psychological clutter to see like, what's real for people. So cool. So why don't you tell our heel squad, uh, they affectionately call themselves the Heel Squad. Um, a little bit about your story, because there was a, an inciting incident that brought you to this work, I know. Um, share a little bit about your story. And uh, Have we started? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> That's usually how it goes, right? Okay. <laughs> Conversation starts flowing, so then we go. Oh, I'm just rambling. Okay, that's good. <laughs> By the way, are you that. standing... I always stand. Yeah, I stand on it. Yeah. Why do you stand? I barely ever sit down. I want to know why do you stand for an interview? Uh, more energy. Mm -hmm. I can move around more. I can breathe better. Um, if I sat during every Zoom, my back would be wrecked. Okay. Fair. You know? Um, so it's physical like, and psychological. It's physical, psychological. Yeah. When I was, you know, my the car accident I had in my 20s kind of wrecked my back a little bit. So I'm always just like, very cautious of oversitting. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also, yeah, I was used to, you know, for 20 years I was on stage. So it's just easier to stand for me. So um, cool. Yeah. It does yeah. give you a better energy. And the view is great. The I mean, view is fantastic. I got to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> is so, the lighting okay? I can't see really so bright today. Everything looks great. Okay. Sound great. Looks great. Right. Queens. Okay. Great. Okay. It's so cool. So whose voice is that? That's we Kelsey. Hi. Oh, that was Kelsey. Oh, hi, Kelsey. Hi, it's hi. so weird because I can't see her. I know. I, I see... know. I'm like the little ghost in the booth. You can That's see Maria. Cool, but... <laughs> She's the secret. That's right. It's, it's so cool. 
So, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story and kind of how you got into this whole world of coaching. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was like some sexy dream I had where it was like, okay, I'm going to go change people's lives. Um, but what happened was I was a 19 year old kid and I was miserable. I was depressed. I was having suicidal ideation and planning because I had just broken up with the first woman I ever loved. And so I had my high school sweetheart. We went to college together. We like shared a U-Haul going to college together to, to, to live in the same dormitory together. I really only went to college to follow her to college. <laughs> and then in the first semester, she strayed from the relationship. And my whole identity was tied up into that relationship. So when she cheated and the relationship fell apart, I fell apart. And I'd become depressed and suicidal by the end of my first year of college because of that. And then fortunately, unrelated, I got in a car accident a little while later. And the car accident smacked some sense into my head and and helped me realize you actually don't want to die, kid. You just don't know how to live yet. Ooh. And so I just started having the, this breakthrough um, after the accident, because in the accident, there were these moments, you know how when you're in a car accident, sometimes time slows down. Yeah. And in that emergency, like time slowed down. And I felt these sensations and these feelings and these emotions and these thoughts of, you know, just basic questions about what we all ask at the end of our lives. You know, for me, it was like, if this is the end, did I live? <laughs> you know, and I think we all want to know that. Did I live my life? You know, was I alive and vibrant, enthusiastic, motivated, energized? Um, and did I live it? M- my life, not her life or his life or my parents' life or my professor's life. Did I live my life? And I wondered about love because I saw these scenes of my family and of people I cared about in my life. And it made me think about whether or not I loved openly and honestly and formed great relationships. And remember, I was a 19-year-old kid, so not so much. And I'd realized I'd shut off my heart because I got hurt. And, you know, sometimes we, we build up the big walls to keep other people out to protect ourselves. And that's what I'd done. And I wondered about whether or not I mattered. You know, there was a moment in the car accident after the car had rolled off this road several times that I pulled myself through the windshield of the car. And I stood on top of this hood of this car that was all damaged. And I was looking down at all this blood on my body. And I felt like I was about to pass out. And I remember watching the blood go off the hood of the car. And I felt I was about to pass out. I just thought, did I even matter? Oof. You know, was there a purpose to this? Was that, you know... Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating, 
rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. And then this blessed moment, I kind of saw this glint or this sparkle in the blood at the end of the hood of the car. And it made me look up and there was a bright, big, beautiful moon that night. And I felt this, this connection with something above. And I felt like God had reached down and handed me what I call life's golden ticket. It was like, here you go, kid. It was like the sudden realization that I was going to be okay. Um, and I felt like God was saying, here you go, kid. You're still alive. You can still love. You can still matter. But now you know the clock is ticking. And I decided shortly after, I was like, I need to learn how to change my life. I, I hate my life. I hate these people in my life. I was mad. I'm not doing anything with my life. I didn't feel like I was mattering. And so I just thought, okay, I need to learn how to do that. And for me in my life, I always loved books. And so whenever I had a problem, I read books. And so like I just started, books. yeah, I started reading. Well, first I started with psychology, then philosophy, then self-help, then spirituality. And I was that cliche. I turned my life around completely because of books. It changed my attitude. It changed my perspective. It helped me set goals. It helped me start journaling. It helped me start meditating. It helped me realize like, oh, I can take back control of my emotional reality and I can architect the life I desire. I just need to learn how. And so I turned it around and my 20s were great. I went, I wrote a book on leadership, went to work for Accenture, built corporate leadership programs, learned a lot about teaching and curriculum from that experience, worked with amazing executives and then I thought, okay, I want to write a book and I want to start coaching other people on my own. And so I wouldn't say it was a fast journey to become a coach. It was, oh, I had this big problem. I had to learn human behavior change. I did that. And then I started teaching it in larger organizations. And I thought, okay, I want to do this one-to-one as a career and, and kind of made the leap. And it was a hot mess, but I figured it out and it's gone okay since then. Yeah, I think it's gone really well. <laughs> I think it's gone really, really well. Um, yeah. Did you find that teaching just reinforced the lessons for you as well? I think it both reinforces the lessons and it creatively generates more lessons. Mm. You know, sometimes until you're speaking and sharing, you don't even know what you think or feel. You know, that's why people go to therapy. You don't really know. You think, you know, when you go to the therapist's office and then you sit down and like an hour later, you say something like, I didn't even know I felt that Uh way. Light bulbs go off. (laughs) Yeah. Teaching, especially about life. It's very similar. You know, I'll say something on stage or in a podcast or an interview. I'll go, Oh, right. Okay. That was a new distinction. I hadn't thought about it, but it came out this way. And, oh, I liked how that came out. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes the truth is we all teach what we need to hear in our own lives a little bit. And it's our higher conscious asking us to be the role model of the very thing that we know to be true. So cool. 
Yeah. And so teaching actually makes people more integrous. That's why teachers are awesome. I think in, in any, in any field, the teachers or the wise elders or those who are sharing, they tend to be the role model, not because they're incredible, but because when they speak it, their unconscious says, I better align with that. Otherwise that lack of integrity will make them miserable. Yeah. What a journey. I mean, God, that story, like I had the chills the whole way through, but I do feel like, um, you know, we get these life altering moments as invitations to kind of level up, change, shift, grow, whatever it is. And, um, and I feel like you can take it or not, right? You do have options in that moment. So luckily you decided to go forward in that journey. What do you think was the most helpful for you kind of to get yourself out? I always now call it the sunken place because of Kanye. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What was the most important thing you think that helped lift you in those moments in the beginning as you were starting small? Uh, I would just say openness. That's it. Humility, trust, faith, um, not thinking I need to know all the answers or I need to have the full path revealed to me or no, I know my one singular purpose. It was, you know what? I know I'm unhappy. So I'm open to new ideas for how to be happier. I'm open to how other people, you know, what their practices. I'm open to these books that are teaching about mindset or psychology. I'm I'm just open and I'm going to give myself patience to find what my path is or what my practices are. And I'm going to honor that struggle of figuring it out, not expect to be perfect, not expect to know it, but actually understand the struggle is going to be there. Anticipate the struggle is going to be there. No, I'm going to have days like this, not expecting the perfect days, just going, okay, I'm here for this. I'm going to honor this whatever difficulty it is to become happier, I, I, I'm going to have to figure it out. And I think the learning mindset is critical. And then from there, it was just doing the work, read mm-hmm. the books, get the mentors, take the courses, go to the seminars, you know, listen to the podcasts, like we all do. Yeah. Like no one who finds more happiness, not becomes happy forever, but who finds more happiness. No one does it by accidentally, you know, discovering it one day, you know, some people will say that, but the truth is it's usually a duration of time of making self-improvement a way of life. Mm-hmm. And self-improvement so became a way of life. Happiness followed much longer. You know, that morning routine didn't give you immediate happiness. It was that you just, by all these little steps, you're increasing your sense of joy or confidence or progress or courage or love in life. And it's by little measures, we can make big transformations, but often the people who are the most happy, you see a habit pattern, mm-hmm. you, you see practices. And I don't know anyone, especially, you know, who, who've been through a lot of the things you've, I've been through brain injuries and challenges that who, you know, were just perpetually always that way. They had to do a lot of mindset work, a lot of habit work, a lot of relationship work. And a lot of like seeking out their dreams. And now they seem so stable and so centered. Mm-hmm. But along the way, sometimes they're a hot mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> you mentioned mentors. Tell me who were your mentors starting out? 
Uh, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad. So uh, my dad served 20 years in the U.S. Marine Corps. My mom um, is French Vietnamese, and her father was killed in the French Vietnamese conflict. And an amazing, magical thing happened there. Like this amazing love story, like for a movie where my dad's from Montana, joins the Marine Corps, gets shipped to Vietnam, fights three tours in Vietnam, gets all shot up, comes back to the U.S., starts recruiting for the Marine Corps around the U.S., ends up in Washington, D.C. My mom, father's killed in the French-Vietnamese conflict, gets shipped to France in the Child of War program, grows up in boarding schools there, hates it, flees, moves to the U.S. to start a new life, and uh, meets uh, her first husband, who was abusive, that doesn't go well. She ends up fleeing there, moves to DC with her new um, young son. And one day my dad's coming home, walks up the stoop of this apartment building, sees this young man, this young boy sitting there. Where's your mom? Oh, it's up, follows him up, door opens. My dad, this Vietnam vet, my mom standing there and they instantly fall in love and uh, move back to Montana to raise a family. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. And uh, my dad was just a dedicated, uh, hard work ethic guy, surviving PTSD, um, Worked as a highway patrol person, then at the DMV. So imagine how hard that job is. Mm -hmm. And then my mom's cutting hair and a secretary at the hospital and just dedicated to caring for other people. She's like the happiest person you'll ever meet. She's just like joyous because of her perspective in life. And they both just had something about the way they raised his kids said, be your own self. My dad was always saying, be yourself be honest, do your best, take care of your family, treat people with respect, and follow your dreams. It doesn't get much more complicated than that, you know? Those are great mentors. Yeah. Yeah. I lucked out with two good parents. I had a high school teacher who she believed in me and uh, I was about to drop out of school and she said, uh, no, you know, stay in, I'll give you a chance in this journalism department. You, you can help us shoot, uh, uh, photos. You like photos. Uh, and, uh, she made me a photo editor at the school newspaper. 
school newspaper goes on to win number one in the country. And because she guides all of us to believe in ourselves, to be innovative, to be creative, to work together. This is in high school? This is high school. Before your accident. This is before my accident. Wow. She was one of the first people to ever believe in me and, uh, and taught me about journalism and the ethic of, you know, research and writing. And it was just, it was amazing. And then when the car accident happened, uh, luckily I just, I went into kind of research mode from a lot of things she had taught me. Wow. And, and I also wanted to be a role model and a mentor to other people who were kind of like me, you know, this kind of someone who wanted to do something creative, but didn't know how, and she taught me. And, and I think I've done that with a lot of creators in our industry. So it's been full circle a little bit. That's so cool. Um, what do you think, you know, people always talk about success and like, what was the number one thing? But if you look back now, what do you think is your, like the, the key to your specific success? Everyone has different paths and different journeys, but what do you think has helped you the most? Um, I would say two things. Uh, the first is that intentional living component of, so when, when I faced my death at 19 years old, I learned that the end of our lives, we're all going to ask these questions to determine whether or not we're happy. You know, whether you're on a rocking chair at 90 or you're in the hospital at 30 or something's going on, you're going to evaluate your life. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned from the car accident. And I learned my questions were, did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? So what did I do with that? Because a lot of people question their life. What I did with that is I said, okay, every night for the rest of my life, I'm going to, before I go to bed, I'm going to lay in bed. I'm going to ask, did I live today? Did I love today? Did I matter today? In other words, intention and self-evaluation every day for 25 years. Really? So that's it. So some nights, did I live today? Not really, you know, I wasn't really myself in this situation or, you know, I didn't make myself feel grateful or motivated. Did I love today? No, I was a jerk to my wife or did I matter? You know, no, I got distracted in TikTok or something. You know? So it's one intention. And then two, the self-awareness of self-evaluation on a consistent basis. I, I think that, that that's like your ultimate radar. I tell everyone it's not very motivating, but I think the greatest motivation in the world is what I call mortality motivation. The fact that we are all going to pass away. So if you can determine what will the questions be that you're going to ask at the end of your life and just ask them every day mm. to try to gear yourself towards, for me, living and loving and making a difference, then over a period of time, we'll be on the right track. Um, I think the second thing then would just be forcing oneself into leadership. Forcing I like that. Oneself, forcing. <laughs> forcing oneself. You know, forcing was like, do you really want to make a difference in the world? Okay. You're, you're going to have to develop yourself. You're going to have to adopt a role model mindset. You're going to have to say, okay, what skills would I need to build? Or how can I work with other people to, to communicate better? Like for me, I was a terrible communicator awkward, nervous, terrible, um, was not speaking to arenas, you know, out of the womb. <laughs> like it was, it was okay. I have these ideas about life. I want to share them. 
I'm a terrible communicator. I'm going to learn to be a better communicator. I'm going to force myself into situations where I have to communicate. I have to give a speech. I have to stand up. I have to speak up. I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to hear if I'm in a meeting and someone has a big goal, I'm like, let's do it. Let's figure it out together. And I'm going to, I'm going to be that person, even though that's not natural for me. So I can learn to make a difference in the world beyond just my contributions, but by leading other people. So I feel like when people learn leadership through books, through experiences, they ultimately become more compassionate, more understanding, more collaborative. They learn to work through conflict. They learn to achieve goals together. Like with, without an emphasis in leadership, I just don't feel like I would have ever broken through. Mm. And, and you've seen me lead with a, you know, a group of creators or influencers. Yeah. I'm not doing anything. I'm usually setting up the stage, setting up the questions, allowing the round robins and listening and encouraging people. And so I don't think I'm great at it per se, but I feel like you learn to do those things, but you have to, I don't think anyone has a natural inclination for it. I think you have to teach yourself and put yourself in those positions and you get better at, I mean, I think how skilled you are as a communicator. I mean, that, that wasn't easy. You got better and better. You ran the reps, you put yourself in the hard interviews and the hard situations. And that's why so many people admire you because they Thank see you. that you did that. Well, I'm laughing because the girls know. I talk about the fact that from a really young age, I knew where I wanted to go. By 13, I'm like, I'm moving to LA. I know what I want to do in the general sense, right? I, I knew I wanted to be in this industry. And so I was scared shitless of being <laughs> on stage. So I started performing in, in high school, like singing in, you know, solos and duets. And, and literally we look back at the videos and we laugh because I'm like, everything I do, I do it. And I'm barely singing. It's barely coming out of my mouth. I'm horrified. I would speak in the church. I would give like uh, speeches. Anytime I had an opportunity or I could carve out an opportunity to put myself in the scariest, most uncomfortable positions, yeah. I would do it because I knew where I wanted to go and I knew I needed to build that. No one taught me or told me that, but instinctively I knew I'm like, you got to get some balls here. Like you gotta, you gotta be able to do this. Um, and so I laughing at that because that's, that's exactly what I knew to do as well. And I wonder as you were building your communication skills for people who are listening that have no idea where to start, where, where did you start? What did you do? in every decision you make to communicate and every opportunity you have, you push yourself. That's it. That's the decision. You push yourself. I was talking to a friend of ours recently about, um, you know, they're getting a, a bigger stage and I've spoken to every arena and conference center in the U S pretty much by now. And, um, I remember I, I was sharing the story of, I was speaking to 30,000 people at the Superdome. And I was the keynote and it was for a, a company that did like athletic teaching and training videos. And it's called Beachbody. I think you're- Of course, yeah. I did work with Beachbody but, once. Okay, so I was keynoting yeah. Beachbody's event. And, uh, you know, this is a, a really exciting event. You know, like I said, you know, 20, 30,000 people there. And now I can go and give my regular speech, talk about high performance habits, talk about personal development, and, but I'm sitting there going, okay, 
big arena, been to, done the arenas before. What am I going to do this time? This can be hard. Because Ooh, I think that, you could have gone in and coasted, but you chose not to. Totally. Because Even you know what? We all want level. Cycle. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T H E O U A I dot com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yeah, we all want, we don't really, most people don't re realize this until they really get into personal development. But what we want to do is not reach a potential. We want to ever expand our potential. Mm -hmm. There's no one potential you hit, just like there's no one purpose. You want to ever expand that. And so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I called up Tony Horton and Shalene Johnson, who were their big teachers at the time. And I said, what's the hardest move that you have? Like in all your videos, what's the one that people fall down trying? It's just hard. They can't pull it off. And Tony taught me this, like, I don't, I don't know what he calls it. It was like, uh, you know, you do a handstand, you kick your legs out in the V shape and, and, and kind of do like a kick up backwards. So it's basically like a, a, like a donkey kick. I don't know what you'd call it. <laughs> um, a handstand into a donkey. Kick. Okay. And then Shaleen's was like this, this one hand reach over bridge. And so I said, okay, I'm going to be in front of 30,000 people. They do this all the time. I'm going to try to do those things. Now, I'm in a, I, know, I speak in a suit, right? An audience that big. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to practice this a lot. So I try it and I try it, try it for like days and days and days and weeks and weeks. I'm trying this thing. 60% of the time I fall down. Hmm. Like putting the two things together, they were never meant to be together. Very hard <laughs> to do. Very, very, it's stupid I'm trying it. I packed two suits on the way down there so that in the hotel room. One, if one splits, you have the other one. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. So the night before I put on the suit and I try it 20, 30, 40 times, 60% of the time I'm still falling down. But I think, you know what? 
If tomorrow on stage, I get up there and I try. If I fall down, they'll probably cheer that I tried it. Because you tried. And, and they'll be impressed that I pushed myself. If I pull it off, probably half the people wouldn't even know that I just did it. And then it will like reverberate throughout the stadium. Like, did you see? He just did the thing and the thing and he put them together. Oh my God. And, and then I'd get this. I was like, at some point, it, it's going to be a win by pushing myself. Um, anyway, people can actually see me do it. It's on my, uh, the home video of my, of my YouTube channel. Oh my uh, God. I have to see you, it right you after. You can this. actually see Tony Horton and I backstage <laughs> trying it out. And uh, it's hilarious. And I and bet I, you I, nailed both of them. I pulled it off. See? And because um, what people don't realize is the power of pressure. Yeah. Like it actually goes in your favor more than it doesn't, I think, because I've had to put myself in those high pressured situations so many times. And no That's matter it. what, most of the time, you're going to get it. Now, are you going to be perfect? Maybe not, but you're going to get it. Yeah. I love what you said. I had to put myself into those high pressure situations. Mm -hmm. The truth is you didn't, Yeah, you could say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not, you know, I haven't been trained for that. That's not my natural skill set. That's not my love language. It's like, no, no, you go, Hey, this is an opportunity to grow. I'm in, put me in coach. Always in. Yep. Always that is, in. The, that's the difference maker. That's why you think of all the people you've seen come on television, trying to do your career and they're, they're a spark. They're there for a year or two. What creates enduring excellence is that willingness to constantly challenge oneself. Mm -hmm. And most people avoid that because it's terribly uncomfortable, because they might look stupid, because other people will judge the effort immediately. But what high performers know is by challenging myself that it's not, it, you know, what most people think is like, oh, it's just because they want to be great. The truth is we know from psychology that it puts us in a place of flow. It puts us in our creative edge. It amplifies something in our heart that is courageous. It is an act of personal development and positive psychology to challenge ourselves. And what the world needs more of right now is that willingness again, mm -hmm. because we've gotten ourselves into the conversation that everything has to be you know, situated for perfection or situated for safety or situated for us to win. And the reality is when we stop challenging ourselves, we have a less courageous society. When we stop challenging ourselves, we have less innovation. When we stop challenging ourselves, everyone's bored at work. You know, when we stop challenging ourselves, our marriages are boring. When we stop challenging ourselves, something in our heart kind of dies and it's that potential mm -hmm. that we all feel and we know is there. And it won't be activated by thinking about it. It will be like, I'm going to do what Maria said and put myself into this high pressure situation or difficulty. And we have to do that in every way. So for me with speeches, it's like, okay, this speech, what am I going to do? What's going to be different? How am I going to push myself? What's a story I could tell that's more vulnerable? How can I hold that space? How can I do something different in the audience? How can I, you know, throw out all the notes and, you know, all of that. It's just little things. Yeah. Well, little it lights things. you up and it's inspiring, right? Because, you know, for us, if I wasn't always saying, okay, we got that down. 
what's next. We would all get bored. You know, that's why people say if you're not growing, you're dying. But what I love about challenging myself is I feel like real living is done in that moment, Brendan, when you're like, oh my God, am I going to do it? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I did it. In that in-between of your complete terror and then getting to the other side, like I said, you might not land the triple lux right, but you did it, right? You you yeah. got it, or you maybe got it okay. Maybe you had a little kind of a lumpy landing, whatever it is. That's where living's done. For me, yes. that's where living's done. So I even created a series um, on Access Hollywood at one point, and then I carried it over to Extra called Maria's Madcap Adventures, where I tried my oh, hand at right. something new yes. that I'd never done and see if I sink or swim. So I did... Uh, commenting on a Celtics game. I did stand-up comedy. I um, was on Broadway. I did all kinds of things, and it was like a sink or swim thing. And what you realize is is that, yeah, you're not going to be perfect your first time. I got a couple laughs in my stand-up comedy act once I started (laughs) imitating my parents. But it really is about, it's just about growing and pushing yourself and not being afraid to live. So when you try these things, whatever it is, it's you living. And it goes back to your first question, because when you are in that hospital bed, you do evaluate. I remember for me instantly, I was like, oh my God, what have I been doing? I've been going so against my natural grain because I got caught up in everybody else's pace and dreams and, and, and needs. I don't need this and I don't want that. And what the frig have I been doing all this time? Yeah. Okay. We need to make some adjustments because this is not working for me. And my light came back finally, but Mm. you don't get that by, you know, anything other usually than kind of those life altering moments when you're hitting rock bottom. That's why Actually, we should look forward to rock bottom sometimes, or at least know when they're happening, something good's around the corner if I listen and adjust. Yes, yes. yes. You know, the funny thing is when you tell people to challenge themselves, though, you, you, you get two very common obstacles. One is, well, I'm afraid. And the other one is, well, that's burnout culture. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, those are two very different things than the activation of your human potential on a regular basis. You know, most people, their, their fear is just, it's, uh, it's poor management of the mind. Mm. It's not physical fear, though that, that does happen. There are those things, right? Going up in a hot air balloon the first time yeah. <laughs> which we did together. You know, I'm not the- bungee courting ever. That I know I will never do. <laughs> hot air balloon, I'm in. Skydiving, you'd have to push me, but I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. But so it doesn't mean you have to do all of them. No. And, and the fear, listen, most, most fear that actually hurts people's life is because they didn't realize that they were fearing three things. And most fear is only three things intellectually. Anyway, it's, it's the fear of loss pain. I'm going to lose something, lose respect, lose identity, lose money, lose opportunity, something like that. I'm, I'm going to lose something. The second thing we fear is process pain. Process pain is hardship. It's going to be hard. I'm not enough. I'm not capable. I won't be able to handle the stress or the responsibility. It's like going through the process is going to be too much for me. So they bow out. Or it's outcome pain. Outcome pain is, well, if I go through all that, Maria, and what if I did all that work and the grass isn't greener? 
on the other side. <laughs> so they intellectualize, they go, it won't be as good as I have it now. So I'm going to stay in this crappy job instead of trying to get another one. Right. It's like that part where we just intellectualize it. So it's usually loss process or outcome that we're just stewing on and we're spinning it up. And now it becomes a fear when really it's just usually poor management of the mind and your focus. And then on the other side of things, it's like, oh, well, that's burnout. If you keep challenging yourself, won't I burn out? It's like, no, because this is what we call in, in my world, high performance studies, that there's a group of people called high performers who over a long period of time, they achieve long-term success, but they also maintain well-being and positive relationships. Because a lot of the fear people have is the success part. They go, well, if I'm going to push myself to actualize myself or have more or achieve more, well, then what I'll have to do is wreck my health and my relationships to get there. I'll have to compromise my integrity, which will ruin my relationships, and I'll have to burn myself out. And the truth is most people do that. And then you have high performers, which I wrote about in this huge research study that was later published into High Performance Habits, my book, that they're able to do it. And they're not doing anything crazy. They're just practicing better habits and have a little slightly different mindset. But one thing that unites the high performers is that challenge. They are willing to step into the challenge, willing to try new things, willing to you know, look silly, mm-hmm. feel very uncomfortable. And it's not that they're doing it out of some like psycho reason. <laughs> they actually enjoy the, pro- they've taught themselves to enjoy the process mm-hmm. because you do it enough times, you get the reward of going, wow, I am better today. And that feels good. Yeah, I love that. You know, we were talking about this recently on the show. Um, and and Pooja, I remember you specifically having a great take on Brian uh, Mahan's millennial talk about how millennials are so scared that they don't end up going after things. So I'm curious to think to hear what you think of what Brendan's talking about now. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Yeah, I I mean, I love everything you're saying. I think it's so true. We're so scared because we think we're going to maybe have it worse after going through all that like you said so it's like why try because like that fear that okay maybe like I did all this stuff and now oh my god I'm worse off than where I was before but really like think of where you are now if you're so upset with your life like do you want to stay in that isn't it better to take the risk and you know reap the reward and like you guys said you most likely will um so just getting through that that mental hurdle so I guess my question is how do you like take that first step? Like how, like what, it's so hard to do. Like, do you have any advice? 
Yeah, I think the first one is, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of journaling. And, you know, it, people who journal not only report greater happiness and life satisfaction, they tend to live longer. They tend to achieve more goals. They tend to have po more positive marriages. Um, they're more productive throughout the week. And it's just the simplest tool. We all know we should do it. So um, we started Growth Day, which is our app to do like a lot of personal development journaling. But the fear, that concern to take that first step is usually just process it. Capture it in a journal. Be like, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's how I can mitigate that. Here's a step I can take. Developing a discipline to just like literally capture the thing that you want, the goal, write about the obstacle that might get in your way and make a little plan. I know that's so silly, but that's like the basis of almost all like real positive psychology anyway. So I think first is like capturing. Second is knowing there is nothing that you're going to try to do that someone already hasn't done. Mm -hmm. So find the mentor or watch the video or read the book or listen to that podcast episode because someone's already processed it. They've already taught the mindset. They've already told you the things to do and not to do. And so I think learning the path, you know, I'm from Montana. So we have like super simple sayings. And one of our sayings is the time to have the map is before you enter the woods. And what most people do in life, they have a goal and they enter the woods mm -hmm. and they wander around for a couple of years and become scared, upset, lost. And then they start going, anyone have a map around here? <laughs> you know, it's like, get, get the education, get the information, get the mentor, get the kind of the map or the blueprint. And now it's like, okay, I've thought through my fears and I've created a plan of action. I kind of know it's going to work. I'm going to go. And then last part is demand it of yourself. That's it. You need to set the stakes in your mind of like, this is something I'm going to do in, in, in high performance habits. We talk about this practice that we learned from high performers worldwide, um, that they do this thing called raising psychological necessity, raising psychological necessity. This means before they're going to do whatever they give themselves a reason for why they must excel at the thing. And so I'll give you an example. Like I've been blessed to coach a lot of Olympians. I remember I was working with this uh, woman who just won the worlds, but she'd failed at the Olympics. This was her second time in. She is, I asked her as she's evaluating her competition, how do you, how are you thinking about this competition? Because you're going to run this race. You're going to be like 0.03 seconds behind or in front of this person. It's such a close, you know, sprint race. How, how do you think of who's going to win? She goes, well, some people, when they go down the block, they look up, they have the goal in mind, they see the finish line, and they've trained their whole life. They just, they just know they're going to win. And she goes, but you know, one of them is going to get down. They're going to look up there. They've trained as well. But when they look at the finish line, they say to themselves, I'm going to win this one for my mom. She goes, I bet on that person. That's raising psychological necessity, right? It's like, I'm going to do this for somebody else. I'm going to do this because it's necessary for me. You know, it's moves from the preference to a must because we raise that psychological necessity that says, this is a must for me, or I'm going to win this one because, and some people call that connecting with your why, reminding yourself of your purpose, mm -hmm. whatever you call it, it's called raising psychological necessity. It's saying, I am going to excel at this because. And so 
I think you can journal about something all day long. You can have mentors, but how many of us know people who journal a lot and have mentors, but they don't do anything. And the difference maker, or think of how many people have car accidents and they never change their life. Or Maria, how many people have gone to the hospital and they didn't change their life? Why? Mm -hmm. They never raised psychological necessity mm -hmm. that change had to happen. It didn't happen. There was no click in the brain that said, I must change. Well, and I then you have to follow the habits. You have to create habits that will stay with you so you don't falter back. Because when I've spoken at different events, I've had so many people come up and say, how did you stick to it? I had the same epiphany and then I fell back to my old ways. I'm like, because I refuse to go back to that life. That's right. Refuse. <laughs> but I'll, yeah. I'll add, you know, for Pooja, I think for anyone who's listening, who's like, okay, I'm scared. I don't, you know, I don't have this kind of natural instinct. Like for me, I always use the mindset of if someone else has done it, so can I. And mm -hmm. so no matter what it was, I was like, if someone else has done it, I know I am the same thing. I am a human. They are a human. I can do it. If you don't have that mentality, the other great way to do this is immersion in a sense, right? So if you want to have more adventure and more, you know, courage to try things, you have to surround yourself with people who do that. And if you yeah. want to eat healthier, you got to eat with, eat with healthier people. So it's who you're spending your time with that's going to really affect your mindset and whether you're able to. Like if all your friends are like that and they're scared and they're scared to not do anything unless they're going to do it perfectly, you're all going to be the same. You're all sharing that same experience as, as Joe Dispenza says, you're two atoms coming together. Here's your shared, you know, thing here. And that's what you guys are going to just be. So you need different people in your life that are going to push you. Like Kevin and I have two friends who live for adventure, constantly on adventures. I'm like, I friggin' love them because I don't have it in me to plan adventures. So, and I'm someone who will falter yeah, in that part of my life that. and burn out very easily because I'm so heads down. Um, but I'm an adventurous spirit. So I use them to remember. I'm like, what are you guys doing this week when we need adventure? So you got to find people that are going to kind of keep that spark with you until it becomes a habit for you. That's so, that's so critical. Like, you know, in, in sociology, we just call that your environment and how much that matters. You know, it's like people really do change usually for four reasons, right? One, they change because of misery. They're just like, I cannot take this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I won't allow this anymore. And it's just like, they're miserable and it, they got to change. My car accident was somewhat like that too. Another reason people change is because responsibility. Oh, now you have to take care of your mom. Mm -hmm. Oh, now you got this new job and you better level up. Oh, now, you know, the bills landed on your shoulders. You got to figure it out, right? Um, oh, now, you know, we're having children or this, like some new responsibility is added to your shoulders. And you're like, you, you have to, you have no other choice. You have to rise to meet that demand of responsibility. The third reason is because environment. So social cues, social pressure, the sense and desire to belong or to meet expectations of others. That's huge reason. And then the fourth one is like the Tactical, better plan, better practices. That's it. You know, just like some reason you get you get into the op, you you become an optimizer. You're like, I I want a better plan. I want better practices, and you keep working at those, and 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 you get a little better. You know, but I think what happens is most people know that 
but one of those things will usually trigger them to change. And then the next thing is they become successful. And it's like, Marina, how many successful people you know, but they're still not happy. And this is where you have to know what human, humans desire. Humans desire also only four things. And this is after they have sustenance, right? Or safety. Like what we all want is four things. One, we want a sense of aliveness. People, you know, want either more health or vibrancy or energy or the, the, the variety of life that feels alive. Enthusiasm lives under this bucket. Optimism lives under this bucket. Zest lives under this bucket. We also want more connection. And that's connection with other people. Connection in deeper, meaningful relationships. Sometimes that means connection even with ourselves or with a higher power. We all want meaningful pursuits. This is not purpose, not as a destination. It's like, we, like at any given time, people want meaningful pursuits. Sometimes that's raising the children. Sometimes that's building the business. Sometimes that's launching the show. So it's like, we just want to be doing something that we sense is meaningful, even if we don't know the ultimate outcome, legacy, or purpose. It's like, just put me in, like, let, allow me to do something I find meaningful and fulfilling. And if you think of it like a triangle, right? Aliveness, connection, meaningful pursuits. What's in middle? Growth. Mm-hmm. Growth. Challenge that we talked about earlier is the activator of growth. But what we're hoping to sense is that growth experience, that progress experience, that thing that says, I am getting better. And so what I tell people often, I'm like, focus on those things. I don't know what I want, Brendan. You want aliveness, connection, meaningful pursuits, and growth. That's human psychology. How you get there and how deeply you go into those things, that's your self-improvement. That's your practice. And that's how you take someone who has all the reasons in the world to be happy, but she's still not happy. You activate aliveness, connection, meaningful pursuits, and a little growth. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you changed my life. But also with growth comes pain, right? Because it's like, I I always say it's like a video game. Like I get past Super Mario Brothers level one. I get to two. Now I got a whole new set of problems. And then I I got to get past this and I got to get past that. But when you're going up, that as long as you're going up, those those pains are, are supposed to be good. But like I know with Kelsey, she's going through her growth spurts and she's, you know, she's getting <laughs> those moments. So, yeah. Queen, oh, yeah. you can ask oh, yeah. Brendan <laughs> what he thinks about um, how to handle because you were talking this morning about God. being overwhelmed. Yeah. And so... Go yeah, for it. I mean, I think it's so easy, right? When we're so we talk Gen Z first. This is, I mean, Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. Now you're Gen now X. I'm, I'm millennial, millennial. girly. You, sorry, you know Come what I mean. On. I'm Gen X, millennial <laughs> yeah. adjacent. Go yeah, ahead. you are. You're cusp. Um, <laughs> no, I do. I think it's hard, and I think for me, one of the questions that I know our heel squad has a lot that often connects with me is like when you're in that coming up on this next level phase, right? You almost like get put into a funk and then you're like, meh, I'm unmotivated to do anything because this hurts and this freaking sucks. But then you're, uh, I don't know, it's like a dissonant sort of feeling. So anyways, how would you, Mm. how do you get out of that? How do you like push through that and keep going? Guys, that's such a great question. Thank you. Um, Man, I I, I think it comes from two things. I could have this totally wrong. but I, it, when it comes to like the overwhelm part, we'll talk about the funk part, but the overwhelm part almost always comes from boundaries first mm. and lack of good discipline practices second. And so the first one is maybe we shouldn't have taken that on yet. 
maybe we shouldn't have said yes to that because it didn't align with who we are or what we enjoy yet. Maybe it was just bad timing. Our plate was already full. You know, often overwhelm is just like knowing what to say yes and no to at the right timing. Because yes and no are always an appropriate answer. The magic of life is learning the timing of when to say yes Ooh. and the timing of when to say no. Those are all, everyone's like, should I say yes or no? I'm like, 50-50. Now let's talk about timing, right? So that's a big part of it. That's, that's about boundary. Then disciplined focus or habits or practices, that's where we learn to get rid of distractions. And that's where we learn to keep our schedule much more tight towards the needle movers, the things that matter. You know, I always say this, and it's not related to you, Kelsey, and I'll come back to your, your thought about the funk, but, you know, the, the average American now spends more than an hour on social media a day. And this is not creation. This is just consuming. Mm -hmm. They also tend to watch three to four hours of television a day. But let's just work back. So some people say, well, I don't do social media. I don't do television. I always ask people, I'm like, do you feel like maybe you lose an hour a day to distraction? And most people could be sure. Okay, call that social media or television. Let's stick an hour a day. An hour a day throughout the year comes out to be about 45 eight-hour workdays a year. Oh, holy cow. Wait, 45 eight-hour workdays? Workdays. Holy shit, that's so more than the vacation we get. Workdays. Most people don't hour... even get half of that in vacation. Right. That's exactly right. But remember, that's an hour. So most people, worse. yeah. So you do two hours of consuming social media. And by the way, I'm not some, I'm not that guy who says consuming social media is bad. Most people meet me or you through social media. I love it. Right. Most people, uh, and, and television, I don't think it's bad. I mean, have you watched this is us? Oh my God. So have you watched the ever... truth about Pam? Have you watched we right. work Brendan the right. dropout? Listen. Have you watched the dropout? I'm addicted to 90 day fiance. I'm just saying, I'm actually not, I'm not the guy that villainizes that stuff. I am the person who asks you to check in to which of those you find really entertaining, meaningful or fulfilling or helpful only because one hour a day lost distraction, no matter what you call that distraction. If it's not on your path, if it's not filling, if it doesn't feel good, one hour a day is 45 work days a year. Most people just take that, take, you know, four hours of television. You're like, wow, there's a huge cost to that time. And so often getting people out of overwhelm is going, okay, let's set some boundaries. Let's set a great plan with a disciplined schedule, and let's remove some of these distractions because you actually have more time than you think you do, which everyone gets mad when I tell them that, except I spent 15 years parachuting into people's lives and opening up their calendar and working backwards with them. And they're like, oh my God, there's so much underutilized time or poorly managed time. Mm -hmm. And we got to work through those things. And that's real. But the feeling I think is the essence of what Kelsey might be asking, which is when it you feel stuck or you don't feel good about it and it's uncomfortable as well. I think two mindsets there. One, that part of, we talk about honoring the struggle, like allowing the struggle, allowing the discomfort, embracing the suck as the military teaches. Yeah. Right? You got to drive to Vegas. You got to go through that hot ass desert to get to the fun. <laughs> True. Right. You want to go to a hot okay. air balloon ride. You got to wake up ass early <laughs> to go on that bun. You can't have the reward without the shit. 
What? Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> the reward is the fact of the struggle. Later Ooh, on, you yeah. ran the marathon. You're like, you look back to mile 20 when your knees were popping out and you're like, that was awesome. <laughs> and the months you know, I of training. It. I was resilient. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. Mm. So I think that fact of I'm going to honor the struggle because the struggle was placed before me to develop me. It was placed before me to challenge me. It was placed before me to say, do you really want it? Are you resilient? Do you practice what you talk about in your success stuff? It was the struggle was placed before me. Now, let me rise up. The other element is, and this is the most, this is probably my most important, you know, phrase. And we have t-shirts and hats and stuff on. So bring the joy. Most people wait for the thing to give them joy. Other people say, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to find a way to enjoy this process. I'm going to make sure I bring the fun. I'm going to make sure I crack the joke. I'm going to make sure that I brighten other people's smiles throughout. The, I, I'm going to go into a difficult situation that I know could be miserable. I'm going to choose to make it better. And that choice early in life, that choice over and over throughout our lives changes everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. I mean, I remember I, my, when I was doing one of those Tough mutter type of events, and um, I'm standing next to a person who's never done it before. And she was so like, uh, I don't know how to terrify. She's like trembling, like trembling. And I'm watching and she's so scared. And I said, you know, why are you doing this? She goes, she goes I'm going to, I'm just going to show myself I can make it fun. And wow. I thought, wow, that's personal power, isn't it? I'm going to show myself I can make it fun even though it might be overwhelming, even though it will probably suck at some point, but I'm going to bring the joy. And I feel like, you know what? Your marriage sucks. Learn to bring the joy at the next date. Even though you're struggling, even though you're not getting along well. Oh, you know what? Work is kind of a slog and you're not hitting the goal. You're not making the numbers. The boss is breathing down your neck. It's a little bit like, you know what? I'm going to wire my brain here so I can bring the joy anyway, even though the pressure is there. And I think that that's what I, when I see Maria and, and those, those episodes you were talking about earlier, where you were putting yourself in these crazy situations and doing these adventurous things. You had a grace and a plume through that. You know, you, 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 you brought, I don't know if you would call it a comedic mindset, but you, you looked to make fun of yourself or the situation and that's how you endured a lot of the hardships of life. You, you chose yeah. to bring joy to a difficult experience. And that's a, that's a difference maker. Well, I'll tell you, I loved making those segments happen because I wanted to show people that they could do it too. I wanted to show people that living in those uncomfortable moments is fun and it can yes. be fun. And so for me, it was very deliberate and also I love challenging myself. So it was like a, a two-parter. I'm going to get to go do some cool, crazy stuff, but I'm going to really get to show people like, don't be afraid, just do it. I'm willing to look like an idiot on television in front of all of you. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's great. But also bringing the joy to things, I think is such a great message because even in uh, my mom's cancer journey or God, when I got my brain tumor after her brain tumor, I go, all right, comedy must rule. This is going to be funny. And my best friend <laughs> still hates me for it. Cause I would crack lots of jokes and she was like crying. And I'm like the, the most insane, inappropriate things I would say. And I laughed with my friends the other night at dinner. I said throughout my mom's cancer journey, cause it was so painful and so hard. 
I knew that the only way to get through it was with humor. So my parents and I crossed some boundaries with my inappropriate talk. (laughs) (laughs) People who didn't, who weren't on the end would probably be horrified at some of the stories or jokes that I would crack, but it helped us go through it so much easier and so much better. So I really love that, uh, that concept of bringing the joy because I feel like I've, I've used it and it's really helped me in life. And I think if people applied it, it would help them. I agree. And you know, what's funny is, um, it has to be a conscious choice in advance for many people. Like some people they're funny, like they're, they're just, they're funny. They can get on stage and be (laughs) funny. They, they can take a horrible situation and find the humor, make it. I'm not that person. Like, I'm not funny. (laughs) Like my friend, I don't know anyone who's like, Brennan's funny. You know, it's like, I'm not that person. So I, I literally have to write it down in my journal, set a goal and go, okay, this meeting I have coming up with investors, it's going to be scary. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to bring the joy and I'll literally wear a wristband that I have. This is bring the joy to the meeting and I'll have to look at it and I'll look for opportunities to appreciate someone, to say something funny, to smile, to like, I, I have to will myself to do that. So for those who are listening, well, yeah, but Maria was talking about how when she was three years old, she's dancing and cracking smiles. And it's like, listen, not everyone is built that way. But the challenge is when you decide that you're going to meet life's difficulties with that, you take another lift up in your self-awareness and your self-mastery. And every time you teach yourself to bring the joy, even a difficult moment, You've just gotten five more stars of personal development. You've, mm-hmm. you've just gotten two more levels of self-mastery. You've just deepened your personal power. Ding, ding, and so ding. you are wiring your brain. I love that. Yeah, you're hitting the jackpot at the at the, the slot machine. Ding, 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 ding. You got to keep doing it. Like, like life is just, it can be monotonous and miserable or you can try stuff. And, and the failing is fine and the succeeding is fine, but like, you don't want to go through life just here. You want to live, you want to experience, you want to, I don't know. Like, it's just, I, I have always, always really loved learning and growing. So I think that was definitely innate in me. And I, even though I'm terrified of some things, I'm open (laughs) to most, but I think if anything, if for anyone who's listening to this, like. Nike has the best friggin' saying in the world. Just do it. Stop thinking, stop overanalyzing about it. Just friggin' go and just do it. All right, friends, we're learning a lot. Are you more motivated? We'll start with Pooja <laughs> to be more bold and try things you're scared of. Yes, like absolutely. I think coupled with um, what we learned the other day about being scared to try something because it won't be perfect. That was like the first step into being like, ooh, oh, yeah. yeah, like there's that perfectionism. I think in a lot of people that prevent us from, you know, doing something that we've always wanted to do. And then with his, all his like les- lessons and tips and being like, um, I think the biggest thing for me was. I was, it's like, it's so scary to do something. Cause like he said, what if it doesn't turn out the way you think mm-hmm. or it's worse than what it is now? But I'm like, if you're not happy, 
is is anything going to be worse? Truly. You know, like, isn't it better just to take the risk and see what happens than to sit in your misery? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those two lessons coupled together, I don't know why they just kind of struck a chord with me. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. why would I just like sit? Not that I'm miserable right now, that's what I'm saying. But like, why would I just sit and not try something? Yeah. Because I'm scared of the outcome. Because like, really, what's going to happen? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Am I going to die? Is someone <laughs> no. that I love going to die? No. No. And it's okay. And embracing those failures, which he really hammered home, was that's going to be part of the journey. Like, don't be embarrassed by it. Stop caring what other people think if you fail. Because, like, we also learned the other day, they're going to think about it for a second and then forget about it. Yeah, true. So. Yeah. I think, listen, when we go to Vegas, we put our money in the slot machine, mm-hmm. right? It's a chance. It's a yeah. chance. Mm-hmm. It's a risk. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose your money, maybe. And in Vegas, you're really, really got the odds stacked against you. Yeah. Just do it. Just try. But you got to like start small if you're not geared towards it, right? If this isn't your mentality, just start and then build on that and be like, okay, remember that last time I told you guys when I did Dancing with the Stars, I remember struggling, right? I wasn't a dancer. And then I also was shattering my feet and busting ribs and doing all kinds of things. And so I remember one dance and it was the Paso Doble and I looked down from the, the, you know, upstairs part down to Kevin and he looked at me and I'm like, got this, like I got this. And I just knew it and I felt it and I got the first perfect tens. So I now have something that I use Mm. next time I'm scared. I'm not really like feeling good, but then like I I find that motivation and that energy from that moment, what that felt like where I was like, I had full confidence and I use that. So you can build off your wins. So start small, your little wins. And we talk about that with like boundary laying, whatever it is, just start building on those little wins and then you can start creating those new habits where this becomes an effortless thing for you where you're like, Oh cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with failing and I'm okay with whatever's going to happen. Maybe I'm not going to do the, uh, the pose he was talking about perfectly <laughs> yeah. on stage in front of millions of people, but I'm gonna try. I love that. I it's managing the mind. And that's how I wrote down, you know, how he said fear is poor management of the mind. And I was like, Oh dang, I love that. You don't have to be scared. You just have to, manage your mind. So like you said, Marie, you go back to that one, that one thing that you felt good. You, you were like, Oh no, it's like you can turn fear into excitement. I Mm -hmm. feel. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like channeling that it's managing your mind and training your mind to be like, no, I'm not scared. I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah. Nothing bad is going to happen. Like Pooch said. So yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. All right, friends, that is the end of part one, but it's not the end (laughs) because part two comes up tomorrow. We broke it up because again, so much good content that we wanted to make sure you had time to really digest the first part before we get into the second part. And so part two is even better. And uh, I know you're going to love it. And I know you're going to continue to love Brendan. So join us tomorrow for part two. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. Hey, Heel Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show 
or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.